care of you. The rest of you, if you would join me in praying uh, for our time together this morning, Lord Jesus. May you come and just continue to make yourself known. Lord, I thank you for the way that you've already been faithful to do this. In our worship, in our time of, of just sharing and praying for one another, I, I thank you for the way you've made your presence known. And Lord, I just pray for more. Uh, as we try to get real practical um, in our series, I pray that even through just some of the practices and the encouragements that people hear, that they would hear you speaking it over them, Lord. So may you just come and have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we started last week uh, a series called Parenting on Purpose. Uh, coming out of our marriage series, it seemed like, you know, we finished talking about intimacy, and it seemed like a very natural segue to then talk about parenting. Uh, and so we were using Andy Stanley. Uh, he's a pastor down in the Atlanta area. He kind of, I don't know if he made this or stole it from somebody, but I stole it from him. Uh, four stages of parenting, kind of categories that he puts uh, our, our parenting years into to help us parent on purpose. Uh, I, I, we said last week, I think far too often, we can, as parents, just fall into the make it to the end of the day, make it to the end of the school year, make it till they leave the house, you know, and like that becomes the goal of parenting, just kind of don't mess them up too bad. But I think that God has called us to parent with very specific purpose, to parent for a lifetime, because these are obviously, when they leave our house, parenting isn't over. You'll hear about that in a couple weeks. So God has called us to parent with intentionality or with purpose. And so uh, Dandy Stanley gives us these four stages, these kind of different focuses for each stage of parenting. Last week, we looked at the discipline stage, which is somewhere in the ballpark of zero to five. Uh, when I give these numbers, I mean, zero is a hard number, uh, but five, it, it's more just to give you an idea for the category. Some kids, it may be closer to four or six or seven, like these are some ranges, but just in these early stages in the discipline years, what we heard about last week was uh, what the children need most during this phase is to understand boundaries and consequences. Kids function really well when they know here's where the safeguards are. Everything inside here is good, Everything outside we have to be so careful with. It is really helpful in the development of a child to know here's the boundaries and here's the consequences. As a parent, our main focus during that time is consistency. We have to do the hard work of following up, doing what we say we're going to do. Actions have consequences. And listen, when I say consequences, those tend to have a negative connotation. Consequences can be good as well. When you, when you follow the rules, we celebrate it, and here's the good things that happen. And when we cross a boundary, here's the negative consequences that happen. The discipline years, that zero through five, hold on, go back a slide for me, Chris. The discipline years, it's about boundaries and, and consequences. What we're looking at this week is the training stage. The training stage, that five to 12 years old, again, typically elementary school. It might start around kindergarten, it might go into sixth or seventh grade, depending on your child, everyone is different, but somewhere in that elementary school range. This is their learning phase. This is where like, their minds are being formed, who they are is being formed, what they believe about the world is being formed in such an intense way during this time. Their minds are so shapeable and hungry, they ask lots of questions during this time. If there ever was a time for the church to say amen, that was it. 
in this phase, they ask so many questions. Like, we, my kids knew, they got to a point where I said, hey, daddy's ears are tired. And they knew that meant, oh, okay, we're going to put a pin in the questions for now. I, there was just so many questions coming at us. But it's because they were so hungry to learn. They were so curious. Some are very out loud question askers, and there's a hundred a day. Some ask that one question, and then you can just watch them chew on it for the next two or three days. And if you ever had that where a kid comes up to you on Thursday and goes, hey, the other day I asked you this, and you said that, I don't think that's right. And Which, first of all, you're like, oh, really? Like, but then it hits you, and you're going, you've been thinking about that this whole time? You know what I mean? So it's not just they just jabber, jabber, jabber all the time. Some do. Some is just very deep, but you can see that they're hungry to learn. Their minds are being shaped during this time. And a child's greatest need during this stage is to gain understanding. The, the discipline phase, they don't always have to understand the why behind this is the boundary, here's the consequence. But as they come into this stage, just saying because I said so doesn't really cover it. This is a time where there should be less correction and discipline, not no correction or discipline. That is a horrible place to be. But less correction and discipline than when they're in that discipline stage. This is more about connection and depth of relationship. They're now going, okay, these are the boundaries, but why are those the boundaries? This is the consequence, but why is that the consequence? This is an incredible opportunity for them to know you more and for you to know them more, to gain that, that depth of relationship. This really forces us parents, though, to understand why we set the boundaries that we did. Because, again, just because I said so doesn't cut it anymore. They're going to go, why, but why, but why? And here's the issue. If you're like me, most of the time, I don't know because that's what I was told when I was younger, or because that just really bugs me, isn't a great answer. Kim gave the illustration last week about when, man, those little kids, and they love flipping that light switch. There's something magic about lights on, off, on, off, on, off. I can't stand it. And there was a time when I could just go, hey, quit it. And they just knew, oh, okay. And then they hit that point when they went, but why? And if the only answer I could come up with is because it bothers me, I was like, oh. I've probably set a boundary where it shouldn't be. I, I don't really have a good reason for it. And just saying because I said so doesn't cut it anymore. This is a time when, listen, my, my kids have heard from me, and at some point your kids should be hearing from you. You know what? You're right. We don't really need to, to draw a line right there. Why, should, why can't I jump on the bed? You know, I really don't have a good reason. Yeah, when you're 150 pounds, you're going to break the bed. Right now, you weigh as much as a feather. Probably the bed's going to be fine. You know what? And listen, if you don't want your kids to jump on the bed, that's fine. I'm not trying to draw that line. But do we really understand the reason behind the boundaries that we're setting? Because the days of just setting it and saying, because I said so, are gone in this stage. We want to encourage our kids' curiosity. They are so naturally curious. And listen, that curiosity will serve them as they grow. We want to feed their curiosity. We want to encourage it. If we did the discipline stage right, and look, I'm putting air quotes around right because none of us have done it perfectly, but if our focus was on helping them to understand boundaries and consequences, then they feel safe with us because they know where the lines are drawn and they know that they're loved. And with that, they have a high level of trust in us as their parents. 
in this stage, we are the most influential voices in their lives. As they get into school and they start to hear it from other places, but they're still going to come home and they're going to tell you about their day. Most of them, again, some kids are a little more internal, some are more extroverted, like, but they're listening to you. They're watching their life. Your, your words have incredible weight in the lives of the child during this training stage, which is why as parents, our greatest responsibility during this stage is shaping their worldview, helping them to understand not just what we believe, but why we believe what we believe, why we do the things that we do. I still believe that more is caught uh, than is taught during this stage. They're still looking at your life and going, does it match up? But now they're also going, help me understand why. Why do we do this? Why do we go to church? Why do we pray before we eat? Why do we share our toys? Why do we be respectful of others? You have the opportunity to shape their worldview in a way like you won't in other stages of parenting. But our actions and our habits have to line up with the words that we say. Kids notice it. It's not a do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. They see the way we live and they want to know why. They want to connect with us and they'll be shaped by our words. There's a lot of answering questions during this time. And like I said before, there came a point when in each day with a specific kid where I would just go, I can't do it anymore, man. Talk to me after dinner. Like I just, I can't answer any more questions. But I never wanted to stifle it, but it, it's tiring during this time. There's a lot of questions. But here's something it pointed out in me. I realized I didn't really know why I believed what I believed about a whole lot of things. If you want to understand, like if you want to know, do I really understand something, explain it to a five-year-old. Because, listen, you can't just give platitudes and generalizations. They won't have it. They're going to go, I don't understand that. And you're like, oh, man. Like, I could stand up here with you guys, and I could just throw out, like, a theological term. And we all know the polite thing is to go, mmm. And we all pretend like we understand whether we do or not. Kids don't have that in them. If you really want to know if you understand something, try explaining it to a child. Many of us come to that point where the kids ask, and we don't have a good answer. And so we just shut it down. We're, we're scared to say those words, I don't know. But listen, this is a huge opportunity for growth in our relationship with our children. I don't know is an absolutely fine answer to give in the moment. Some people think it looks like weakness or they're going to lose respect for me. No, they're going to lose respect when they find out that you made up an answer. When they find out you lied to them, yeah, you've hurt the relationship. But to just say, you know what, that is a great question. I don't know, is an absolutely fantastic answer in the moment. But what are we doing to find out the answers? And listen, what are we doing to find out the answers? Preferably with our kids along. I don't know. So you know what? We're going to start reading our Bible, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about that. We're going to go ask a friend, and we're going to see if they can teach us why, because I don't really know. And we're going to show them we don't have to have all the answers. But man, when there's a good question, let's go find an answer together. This is an incredible opportunity. There, there will come a time, typically somewhere in the middle school age, uh, we'll talk about that stage next week, where they're probably going to stop asking as many questions. Their ears start to close to what their parents have to say. Some have shown that there's kind of like, the, you know what a bell curve is? Kind of on a graph, it goes up and then it comes back down. 
Here's your parents' level of intelligence. When you're a young child, they're so smart, and as you get older, they get dumber and dumber. But then later in life, you realize, boy, they really understood a whole lot. Like, but as we leave this stage, their ears start to close to what we have to say. The weight of our words can start to be diminished. Our opportunity to answer questions, to speak into their life and to shape their worldview can diminish as they get older. And so we got to strike while the iron is hot. Once they hit that stage, there's so many other voices speaking into their lives and trying to help shape their worldview, whether for the good or for the bad. We want them to have a solid foundation as they walk into that stage. And so we want to answer questions. And listen, at times it is exhausting again. I get it. But once that window is closed, man, you wish you could go back. And so if you're in that stage now, Take the time to answer. Take the time to, to find answers with them. You will not regret it down the road. It's an investment in the lives of our children. So as always, I, I want to give a, a warning. Anytime we talk about marriage and parenting, which the last couple months has been fun for us in that way, we're all very aware of mistakes we've made in those areas. If you are married or if you have children, these are some of the greatest areas of guilt and shame that we carry. The enemy will come during this time and he will try to condemn. And he'll try to go, hey, remember when you made this mistake? It's hopeless now. You missed the boat. He just said that once you get out of that stage, it's really hard to go back and you missed it. You blew it. Listen, we serve a redemptive God. We serve a God who's not up there going, oh man, they made that mistake. There's nothing I can do now. He loves to make broken things whole. And that includes you and that includes your children. Jesus is enough for them, even in your parenting mistakes. And so don't lose hope at any point in time. If you hear somebody, we're gonna have a panel come up. And actually, I'm gonna go ahead and invite those three ladies. If, if you would go ahead and come up now. As these guys are sharing answers to their questions, there's going to be some things they share that you're going to go, oh, I wish I would have known that back then. Or, oh, man, I did the exact opposite at the time, and the enemy's going to try to bring guilt and shame. Don't let him do it. What you do is instead you just pray, Lord, I missed it on that one. Would you show my children now what they need to know? He is a powerful and redemptive God, and it is never too late as long as we're still drawing breath. Does that make sense, church? So if you feel those accusations this morning, please fight the urge to give in to them. This is not a time for judgment or guilt. This is a time for hope. Thank you, babe. It's a good thought.
So for our parenting panel, you guys are all perfect and have never made parenting mistakes, correct? <laughs> Question one, yeah. As we've said every time, this is not about perfect people telling you everything perfect they did. We're gonna hear about, think they're gonna brag on themselves at times. Here's some things that we feel really good about. We nailed these. And then here's some things that we just completely dropped the ball on. This is not about perfect parenting. This is about just taking time and starting conversation to learn from one another. Because like Kim said, even if you're not in this phase now, you might be one day or you may have grandkids who go through this phase and you can be an incredible resource to people. So, so pay attention during this, but not about perfect, just about kind of pooling some resources. So for you guys, just kind of, I'm not gonna give an order, you can just kind of jump in and out however you feel like it. What sticks out to you is particularly difficult during the, the elementary years, that training stage? Um, for me, it was the how to help your kids understand that it's never going to be about you, ever, at, while I'm still trying to learn that and figure it out myself. And at the same time, teach them that they're fearfully and wonderfully made with a purpose and walk that line and find that balance. And it was, that was hard. You're so important to him but you're also not the center of the story. Like, yeah, finding that balance is really good. What else, what was particularly difficult? I would say that there are more outside influences and there's a lot of pressure to fit in with your culture. Um, and for me, it was really important to protect my child's innocence. I raised my kids in the 80s and 90s and it's worse now. <laughs> um, so that, could result for the parents in a sense of isolation. Um, so choosing a different path of education for your children is also huge if you decide to do that. Um, being on the same page with your spouse and supporting people as far as your education choices, family time, and religious training was also a challenge. Well, I'm gonna say, I don't know if this is politically correct, but um, I think sometimes other parents were the hardest because Jay and I had firm belief in we're not letting our kids do this and we aren't, and then things would come up and other parents would say, yeah, go ahead. And Jay and I would be like, no, no. And then we were always the bad guy. It's like, how come you all always say no? Well, we're going to keep saying no. So we were felt like we were fighting almost other parents. Like, tell your kids no. Please, someone else tell your kids no. So we're not the bad guy all the time. So honestly, that was some of our hardest things. Yeah, in that discipline stage, rarely are your kids somewhere without you. You know what I mean? Maybe they go to grandma and grandpa's house, which can be its own fun time. We have, yeah. But... Most of the time they're with you as they get into that elementary stage. Now, like I said, there's a lot of other voices that start. There's other kids at school. There's time with other parents at a birthday party or whatever. And you just go, oh, we don't do that. You know, and learning to walk that line is really, really difficult. I want to add, though, as a grandparent, I'm not big into no. That, <laughs> the parent part I was. Now, grandparents. You, that, you will hear from Chris again in a few weeks when we talk about parenting adult <laughs> children. And maybe at some point we'll have her kids up here to talk about <laughs> how fun it's been. 
What, what sticks out to you guys as particularly rewarding during that training stage? Uh, for me, it was when I saw the light go on. We, um, when I was pregnant, I, like, God, these are your kids, like was pointed out last week, that they're not really ours. We get to come alongside and join Lord in creating, but they're really not ours. So I was praying, what do you want for school for them? And when the Lord very clearly said, you get to homeschool, I said, maybe I should rephrase the question because that, I already knew they were going to be smarter than me, so why would I be the one to teach them? Um, but we had a great co-op, and um, it was so helpful to come alongside other parents that were right there to help. Um, great friends that were teachers in the school system that I could call and say, hey, I don't know this science thing. Um, but just learning to train them. And then I totally get why teachers are teachers because when the light goes on and you see that look on their face, it's amazing. I have to chime in with the um, just seeing them learn. And so I said um, being able to see the ordinary become extraordinary again through my children's eyes, um, developing relationships with them respecting and trusting each other, um, knowing that like you're their world during this time, and as Bryce was saying, we know everything. <laughs> um, learning things together, and I'd just say spending lots of time outdoors exploring nature was great. Um, kids at this age, they want your time and attention, and they're just so loving. I just thought that time was fun because they they like doing the fun things and the little things and the doesn't have to be big just going for a walk or doing spending time with them and you know the questions and I'll share a funny story it'll be quick so I was teaching a kindergarten class this past week and I was doing a lesson on how um, we're all made different and that someone raised their hand immediately and said that, that's because God made us all different. That's why. And then, so then things started rolling. And then somebody else raised their hand and said, do you know how God made us? And I thought, boy, this is going to go well. <laughs> so he said, oh, I, I, God picked up dirt. And then he said, and he made us. And I'm just, and then he said, and he picked up some nature too. And then he did all that. And then little girl raised her hand and she said, um, do you know how he made our bones? Well, and before I could cut it off, she said, well, he had this machine. It's an electrical machine. <laughs> and he, and oh, big, long thing. And I thought, and then I did have to cut it off because things were, I thought, wow, what's this going to go to? But that's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's really fun to hear that magic almost, you know, how they do. So I think it's just fun. We have, some of our kids are still in this stage on kind of the tail end of it, and some are older. And Kim and I were having this conversation the other day of going, a, a particular thing happened where one of our kids in the stage was just so joyful about something that one of our older ones who are staring at me right now probably would have just been like, ah, gave him the eye roll, they're too cool for it, and just went, don't miss this. Because there's going to come a time when we look back and go, man, remember when everything was new, you know? And so trying to just really enjoy that time now. That's good. 
How, how did you handle discipline during this stage? Because obviously it's different from when they're in diapers and everything. In this stage, what, what shifted for you when it came to discipline? Um, I had one that only spanking worked for and one that all I had to do was give the look and that was enough. But in this stage, we went from spanking to timeout to um, loss of privilege, um, and but follow through and being consistent with, you know, if you don't pick up your room, I will, and there are things you will never see again. And they watched me put them in the trash can and it was never seen again because they didn't listen and they didn't obey and it was really important for them to learn that lesson. Not that having a clean house is like the end all be all because mine is anywhere from that, but just when you need to learn how to do something and to obey, um, sometimes coming down with a, okay, this is gone then because you didn't listen or you, you didn't whatever. That, that was hard for me to follow through with and for them, you know, to learn that lesson. But um, homeschooling, one of the uh, books that we read, or I, I can't remember the exact missionary, international worker that we listened to, but one time this individual was talking with someone, and they're in Africa, I'm pretty sure, and looked at their son who was playing happily under the tree and said, stop what you're doing and crawl to me right now. And the kid did. And only because of that was he able to get gathered in daddy's arms and turn around and look at the deadly snake that was hanging down from that tree that would have killed him if he didn't stop and you know crawl immediately. So follow through. Um, sometimes it was really hard when you're tired, but the, the loss of privilege probably I think they're much the same as a toddler. <laughs> they still, they, if they're hungry, tired, any of that stuff, then it's it, it's bad. Um, so keeping them on a schedule, um, we were big on avoiding overstimulation. And there's a lot of that. <laughs> uh, choosing unstructured outside time. Parents need these things too. So are we too preoccupied and busy to give them enough attention to notice why they're misbehaving? Um, and each of our children required uh, different discipline. Uh, two examples were one needed time alone, so just putting them in their room was great. And another, it took me a long, long time to <laughs> figure this out, but he needed a hug before he got his scolding. <laughs> so um, that worked really well. And occasionally there was a spanking. Um, and just one thing I'd like you to remember is kids are resilient. They will forgive you <laughs> for the many times that you just lash out. And um, as they're adults, you know, they're, they're not going to remember. They're just going to remember the consistency you had in, in discipline. Consistency, I would say, just, you know, reiterate what they said. And I think, too, that kids have to see if you're – spouse you they have to see you as a team because they will divide and conquer if they can and they have to see that mom and dad are together on this because if they figure out a little loophole oh they all will they will zone in mommy said this or daddy said that and they have to see you as a team 
they're not that devious, though, right? Oh, they never. would never. No. I, I've heard parenting described as um, living with little sociopaths, and <laughs> it's not too far off. I mean, when you really think about it, but like having that united front of like we we don't break team is is huge. Thank you for bringing that one up. So. Um, let me find out any tools that you found during this time that were really helpful, whether you know books or something like that, conversations, and somebody said, hey, here's something that really helped me that you just kind of like latched onto during this time. What were some tools that helped you? This is where I was very thankful that Jesus said homeschool because I could, um, we did, started out every day with prayer and reading the Bible and studying and really thinking about the verses that we were reading and memorizing. And if there was a, an issue, it was so nice to just say, like was spoken earlier, let's see what God has to say about this, because then it wasn't my word. It was taking it to the supreme authority and being able to say, you got an argument, take it up with him. And that usually would stop the argument. I'm really big on finding mentors and I'm so glad I did that for my kids because later on in life, I needed them. <laughs> um, so find parents that make you want to be around their kids. <laughs> um, join groups that share your, your philosophy because you're going to have a different philosophy than maybe your friends have. Um, focus on the family back in the 80s and 90s was a great resource. Uh, not always did I go with their position. Uh, so I read other things, too. I read about parenting, and then I saw what felt right to my heart um, and for my kids. Um, also, it helped me to learn about personality types. Uh, your child does not have your personality, maybe, so y you need to learn about that. Um, there was a really great series of books. They're still out there called, um, it's by Louise Bates Ames, and it ex explains physiological changes in your child, and that relates to their behaviors at that time, and that was like eye-opening to me. So some of it is simply growth and struggles that they're having. So to read about that, I think they're called, I have one, it's called, um, it's just like your child at one, your child at two. It goes all the way up, and they're still very relevant today. Um, and one great tip was that the even years are worse than the odd years. <laughs> so, so you can look forward to like changes physically, making it a little better that next year. I, I think I read a lot of James Dobson. Is James Dobson still alive? He's probably my age or older, but anyway. Yeah, he's very old. But um, yeah, he's, that's why I wonder if he's still alive. Um, but anyway, I read a lot of James Dobson. I remember I liked to read his stuff. And then I, another little story. I know Heidi and Colin were reading some. I saw some books laying around their house on godly parenting and stuff. And then I found the same book on Molly's bed. So Molly was reading How to Raise Godly Children. And I thought, well, she's going to be one up on Heidi and Colin now. She wants to stay in the loop of what they're thinking because I need to... Or, so. or maybe she was looking at Heidi and Colin going, I'm going to have to step in and take over yeah. at some point here. So for those yeah. of you that know Molly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So what are, you, what are you glad that you did during those years? Brag on yourself a little bit. Like this, 
we figured this out and this just really seemed to work. Um, praying with the girls when, and, and for everything. I mean, we'd be driving down the road and you could hear the siren of the ambulance and just out loud saying, Lord, you know, please be with the drivers of that ambulance, be with whomever they're going to help, give the doctors and nurses guidance, and just out loud as I'm driving along, I didn't close my eyes and drive, but just, you know, teaching them, you pray anytime, every time, anytime, whenever, there's no set time on we only pray for our food when we're sitting at the table, we only pray for whatever, just uh, a lot of praying. And this was the time when I really learned to apologize um, to them for times that I had made mistakes. And it more often than not involved a phone call to my parents to apologize to them. The greatest thing I ever did was not to have TV in my house. <laughs> so we gave, we didn't ever have cable TV. Um, and that just caused lots of great opportunity to talk and um, I read a lot of books to my kids. Um, I chose characters that modeled um, the ethical behavior that we hoped that the kids would have and prayed that they would have. And the other thing would be we didn't push any organized activities. So we didn't participate. We didn't get on the merry-go-round that a lot of people are on where you're just too busy. So we limited our kids to one activity and they had to be the ones that came to us and demanded that we we do this, that they had an interest in this. And then we then we said we'd consider it. But we were we really guarded our family time and we had to guard it because the pressure was high to go along with everybody else. And um, we also guarded our time on Sunday that that was um, you know church and family time. So it 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 took a lot and I'm not, my kids are very happy that we did it, and my kids are in their 30s now, so. <laughs> I, I don't know that I just, I think I enjoyed my kids. I think I just had fun with them. I don't, I don't have any great thing I did. I just enjoyed them, like the time with them. I was never ready for school to start back, you know. I, I like, like them being around, and we had, I think we had fun together. And I may or may not have been kind of quirky, but they kind of got my quirky, and we, we had fun. Just as simple as just enjoying my kids. I think there's, we're going to touch on actually some of the things that each of you said, but I think there's something so powerful to going, like, we prioritize all these other things, and sometimes we forget to prioritize fun, you know, but going when our kids look back, you know, I've, somebody challenged me one time and they said, you know, we were on vacation and it was, man, I just really want to take a nap, you know, this afternoon, but the kids want to do this. And they said, which story would you rather they tell one day when they were on vacation with you? That dad took a nap or that we went to the beach again, you know, whatever. And just having that, not, sometimes I need to take a nap, you know, please. But just having that is like, Fun is an incredibly valuable thing that can get lost if we're not careful. And so even just having that as a priority can be really good. So what are some things as you look back that you wish you could have done differently? And I'll keep the list short. We all have a very long list there. I get it. I think for me the biggest thing would be to 
be diligent in setting aside time just for me and the Lord so that I got my priorities straight so that the day went well and was straight. If I would have been on the same page as the Lord first thing, we might not have had half the issues that we had. I would not have yelled so much. <laughs> um, I'd spent more time praying with them. And one of the worst things was that I, I know now I shouldn't have shouldered so much of the responsibility of raising our children, but allowed their father to grow more in that area um, and just trusted God with, with that. There's probably several things I would have done differently, but one of them would have been to um, worry less because I tend to be a worrier, like, and um, I would have, I wasted time on that, that, and those things I worried about didn't happen anyway, so I would have probably tried to worry less, and that's hard to do, but, and um, not cared as much about how the house looked and everything being neat and tidy and all of that, but that was, that was my thing, so I wish I would have done less of that probably. So as you look back on this, and some of you were even touching on this in your last answer, what did this stage of parenting bring out in you? For, for the good, for the bad, like oftentimes I didn't even know it was in there until my kids bring it out, and then I have to look at it and go, do I like that or not? What did it bring out? Well, if I had submitted to the Lord first thing every day, I wouldn't have had that picture I gave to Chris. Because unfortunately, that was more reality sometimes. Um, it at the top it says me in the morning hoping to be a better parent, and I'm you know a nice happy T-Rex. And then an hour later, anyway. Um, one thing for me was uh, the good was that as parents. I mean, our, our kids are going to spend time with other people, but no matter how much time they spend with somebody else, you know your kids better than anyone ever will. And, you know, so go with what you know. Um, I know when Kaylin first were schooling and everything, and she didn't want to learn to read. And I'm thinking, you know, well, this is basic. we got to do this. And she's like, no, I don't have time. But knowing her and knowing that she wanted to hunt with her father, I could say, I'm so sorry that you don't want to go hunting with your dad. Well, of course I want to hunt with dad. Well, there's a test that you have to take, and you have to take a safety class. And if you can't read and write, you can't hunt. Well, that spoke to her. She dove into hunting and dove into teaching and dove into reading and dove into to the point that now she has books that... It's like the complete works of Shakespeare, and it's in this beautifully bound volume, and she has volume after volume after volume of these complete works of so-and-so. And at one point, she owned the bookstore that's in the Del Monte, and like, I'm like, whose kid is this? But it, when, when you know your kid and you know what's going to speak to them, you can help them grow in areas um, that you know they need, even if they don't want it. There, there's a subtle difference between parenting and manipulating, in case you were picking that up from Cheryl. <laughs> parenting is manipulating them for their own good, 
manipulation is doing it for your good. But there is that element to it of like, I know this is what you want, and so how do I frame this in a way that moves you in that direction? That's really good. Uh, one good thing I that happened with spending lots and lots of time with my kids, I wanted to tell other people how great it is. <laughs> um, so I was involved with a lot of parent support groups. Um, a bad thing that came out of me was that I expected my kids to be as well-behaved as I was so that I might continue to please those who put too many expectations on me as a child. Um, fears that came out were need for control, fear of rejection, people-pleasing tendencies that we all still are fighting <laughs> as a family, um, and also a lack of trust in God that became clear to me that I had. Um, yeah, brought out, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think Jay kind of could be that voice of reason for me. In, you know, we had four kids in one year, and we'd be getting ready to go somewhere, and I would, you know, trying to get everyone dressed and everyone ready, and then someone was a mess because they did this. And I remember Jay sat me down, and he said, look, there are four of them. There are two of us. We have to let things go. We have to learn to let some things go. And I remember that was a, a aha moment. Yeah, I've got to start learning to let little things go because they will take us out if we, if we don't because there are more of them than there are of us. So I have to let some things go or they'll, they'll take Jay and I out. And um, so he kind of brought that voice of reason to me. You know, we're going to have to focus on the big things and let a lot of those little things go, or we won't make it. So. That's worth its weight in gold if you're writing things down. Can, well, I, ask, can I ask them how they determine what were the big things? Could I stop you if I wanted to? So the question Kim's asking, in case you guys can't hear it over here, is how do you decide what the big things are? What are the things worth fighting for and what are the small things worth letting go? Because different families may judge that differently. Uh, how did you guys decide what was worth fighting? I think that, I mean, sometimes it's just keep them safe, you know, keep them from whatever, because there were times that that was a major job. But um, the other thing is, you know, those moral what do we hold to morally? What are our backgrounds, our faith? What does our, and those things you fight for. I think the other things are just things. So I think those are the things we determine. These are important to our family. We will fight for those moral values that we determine are godly values, and those we'll fight for. Yeah, I was going to say the same. I mean, if, if it's something that's going to be important 100 years from now or eternally, then, yeah, it's important now. So, so what was your, I mean, kind of stating the same thing, what was your process to make decisions in other areas in terms of, like, 
when they're little, they go with you everywhere you decide your own schedule more so. As they start to get older, they are invited to this and that. They have an opportunity to be a part of this and four in one year or different stages as they kind of, as more kids, how do you decide as a family what we're gonna say yes to, what we're gonna say no to? I kind of had a, I, I liked it when, because again, we had four whatever, you know, whatever age they were, elementary, whatever. And um, honestly, I liked kids at my house. And then I knew a lot of times what was going on. So, you know, there was usually my four plus ever how many others, but I at least knew what they were doing. And I knew I could, in, this is the rules at this house. And so I would welcome children to our house because then I could know what was going on, so. Um, my process to make decisions was, I, I did a lot of reading, researching first, and then I asked people, you know, that I ha thought had good experience. Um, and then the questions I would have asked were, like, will it help us as a family? Uh, is it pleasing to God? What might, what might this decision lead to? Like, is this going to get complicated later on? Um, and I realized that I needed support for any decision. So talking it all over with my husband at the time and making sure we agreed was a big thing. Yeah, Greg talked with me about a lot of things um, when we were making decisions for them and it was sometimes we would turn it back on them and ask them why they wanted to do things and what was their thought process and who was it going to involve and um, like Heidi we kind of limited the things that they were in we didn't you know the girls weren't in five ten different things they chose one thing and that's what we did and the rest of the time was family time outdoor time um, but yeah, a lot of praying, Lord, is this what you want? And sometimes you don't feel like there's an answer because it's not, not that it's not a big deal, but it's not a big deal. So you don't have to wait for God to go, thou shalt, you know, but <laughs> I don't know. Other tips and tricks you learned along the way, good advice someone gave you, or maybe good advice that you find yourself giving a lot now. Um, to other parents that might be in there. Kind of just that anything that we missed that you go, man, this was really, really helpful. Just to listen to them. They, they really want us to listen, listen, listen. And there were a lot of times when I'm like, yeah, but I got to go get dinner. Or yeah, but I got to do this, whatever. And it took a while for me to learn I do want to listen to what you say. What you have to say is very important to me. Chop this onion and let's do dinner together or, you know, whatever. One of the families we met um, that had elementary school aged children when we had toddlers just said, get a family hobby. So they rode bikes together and that's just what they did. And, and the kids loved it and it gave them all kinds of time together. Uh, the other thing I would say is um, take time to grow along with your kids. So do things that give you energy and joy. You do need time apart and, you know, make sure, I think somebody said earlier, to take care of yourself first.
Yeah, one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out one that, uh, little piece of advice that we give a lot um, around this stage, and then we're going to open it up. Any questions you guys have for a few minutes? Um, we prioritize mealtime together, um, especially when they're younger. Dinner time is a big thing for us. Um, we, and sometimes that means we have dinner at very different times from Monday to Tuesday or whatever, but prioritizing that where we sit down together and just talk. As they get older, it gets harder to do. You have to get a lot more creative. Um, they find excuses to just wander away from the dinner table at times. And you're like, where are you going? To my room? What? No. Like, but really prioritizing that time together um, has been really powerful, I think, in our family. Um, no, something else I was going to say, but it's gone now. So what I, we have a few minutes, and so questions that you guys have. Anything that we missed, or maybe even, hey, you said this, what does that actually look like, or uh, follow-up questions, whatever that means. Kitty. What was the thing you said? Your kids were as good as you were tolerant? Yes. Right. Yeah, a lot of times it reflects more on us and our mood than necessarily on them. And then it, I'm just repeating in case someone over here couldn't hear. She said also had to kind of keep kind of a mental tally on how many negative things am I saying versus how much positive things. Because it's easy, especially when they're younger, don't do this, stop doing that. Why would you do that? Like, and we can forget that they need just positive encouragement as well. That's good. Go ahead. Favorite, favorite stories that you read to the kids? Uh, our homeschool curriculum was very literature-based, so like, gosh, the homeschool box would come for the year, and there would be stacks of books. The girls finally got leather-bound. Well, I think they weren't leather-bound, but they talked to Micah Tony, and Micah Tony made them leather-bound. Um, Mara, daughter of the Nile, um, there was one that I can't remember what it was about, but it was this, uh, I think it was China, and the guy wanted the girl, but the girl was the warlord's daughter, and he was, it was a grain of rice, Marisa? Is that what it was, a grain of rice? A grain of rice. But anyway, he, it was some, somehow he ended up with all the rice, and then that guy had to come to him for food, so yeah, he got the daughter too, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but they, they just liked a variety of things, you know, it just, as long as you were spending time with them, um, kids learn in different ways, and so if I sat on the couch and said, sit here with me and let mommy read you a story, well, they were zoned out, couldn't tell me anything that I had just read to them, but if I poured out all the Legos and said, build something for mom while I read to you, they could almost quote verbatim what I had just read to them. So learning their learning styles is helpful too. We read a lot of classics. So anything that was a classic, you know, was great. So I have a list of everything I've ever read to my kids <laughs> through those ages. So if you want that list, I'll be happy to share. Just whatever, honestly, it was a lot of times whatever I grabbed. I had no I wasn't nearly so. It was just whatever we had and whatever the moment spoke to us, we'd just grab a book and, and read. Yeah, it's probably more about the actually reading with them. Mm -hmm. than, I mean, there may be some of those that, wow, as a family, we just, this yeah. book, we really are drawn to, but it's more just about that's what we did as a family. Yeah. 
some of the stories too were um, journals that we learned through history. And so I asked our parents, BJ and Sue and my parents, tell me some of your stories mm -hmm. so that your grandkids can know our family history and and, well, and things like that. So we have a three ring binder of things that happened to my parents as they grew up and Greg's parents and just things that are family important. Yeah, that's a great idea. I feel like there's some serious bonding that's going to happen here of like, that's my favorite book. That's good. Other questions? Yes. Yeah, she, she said one of the most important things is to seek healing uh, for trauma in your own life while your kids are young. Uh, a lot of the things that we regret as we get older and we look back are probably tied to, I was a hurt person who hurt my kids. Um, and we said it last week and it's been mentioned a couple of times even up here, one of the greatest gifts that you can offer to your children is the healthiest version of yourself. So taking time for yourself with the Lord on a regular basis, taking time to figure out why do I respond that way? What, like, why does that spark this in me? Whatever that is, is one of the greatest gifts that you can offer your kids. And the younger they are, the more time with a healthy parent they have. And so like, as, as soon as we can begin that journey, the, the more of a gift it is to our children. That's good. For me, it was to um, go with what they were interested in. And so if I just developed that, like picking books for that, taking to the things that um, they were interested in, finding mentors, adults that enjoy that. I, I mean, there are so many things. My, my son wanted to learn to carve, you know. No other kids were carving. <laughs> so <laughs> I found a guy, you know, a professional, and he took, him on when he was like I think he was eight or nine and like just made that imp important so then my son valued that and wasn't embarrassed about being different or yeah yeah ditto um I know Kaylin was really into photography so we saved up our pennies and got a decent camera for her and um 
I don't know, there were times, and we could do this probably a lot easier with homeschooling than you could when your kid comes home from school and they've got tons of homework. And I mean, there's certain things that just have to be done. But I could say, we're canceling school today because it rained and out there on the rose bush on every single leaf is all these raindrops and it just looks cool. Let's go take pictures. And um, Michaela was into horses. And so, yeah, we just, we followed whatever rabbit trails they wanted to because I don't know or didn't know, you know, exactly what gifts God was giving them and what he wanted to use. And so we just ran with it. Yeah, so just kind of celebrating the things that they were interested in and investing with them. That's good. We've got time for one more. If anyone has another last question. I know it's hard to be the last one because now you're like, I don't want to cut somebody else off. Be rude. Ask your question. So we're going to dismiss our service from here. Um, we always want to respect those that are watching our children while we talk about parenting. And so I just want to thank uh, our parenting panel for coming up here. As I've said, yeah, please. As I said at the end of last week, and I'll continue to say, this is not like, okay, so now you have everything you need. This is hopefully the beginning of a discussion. And so these guys, I hope, would make themselves available if you have a question for them uh, or start to look around and go, man, somebody else out here made a comment that like sparked something. Continue the conversation. Uh, this is not a, we talked about it one week and now we have everything we need. Let's build some relationships and continue this discussion. So would you pray with me as I close our service? Lord Jesus, um, I thank you for the wisdom that was spoke here today. I, uh, I just keep thinking through Proverbs and, and how you talk about not only the, the value of wisdom, but the, the wisdom in seeking counsel. Those who have been where we want to be. Um, those who have made it through the, the places where we are. And so I thank you for the wisdom that you brought through these ladies today. I pray that we would continue that seeking as we go. Um, there's always going to be another situation with our kids or a new stage or something that we don't understand May we be wise enough to seek good counsel in those times because our kids are worth it. So would you just continue to lead us as we go from this place? Uh, may deep relationships be built as we parent together, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week. Thank you so much.